Amen. You may be seated. Uh, kids, if you are age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway. All of a sudden, I've got a hankering for a Diet Dr. Pepper. I'm not sure why that is, but... I have a dear sister who uh, shares that love from, with me, so... Kids are heading back. And that missions girl, she's kind of cute, huh? She did a really good job. And I thought I was going to get upstage, though. She had quite the little sermonette going there, and I knew she couldn't resist not putting Romans into it. I just, it's just not within her. We talk about, during the week, our studies and our, our message, and she pulls everything back to Romans. And I said, honey, I'm not in Romans. I'm in, uh, what's the book I'm in again? Peter. That's right, Peter. Peter, that's right. That's that's where we we've been there for a few weeks now, right? We've been studying First Peter, and um, I've mentioned that I really appreciate Peter because I can identify so so well with him. I mean, a that he's a fisherman, and yes, thank to the Jelanskis, I actually caught a fish this past week, so I've checked that off my list. Uh, you know, that's one. We threw it back; it wasn't quite quite big enough, and I didn't want to clean it, so we put that one back. But also, what's the other thing that I like about Peter? He's bold, right? He's bold. He's bold in his, his proclamation. Sometimes that gets him in trouble because sometimes he speaks before he thinks. And again, I can identify with that on a pretty regular basis. But as when Peter was writing this, he was writing it from the perspective of an older man. He had lived life. Things had been going on for quite a while. He'd been going from church to church and proclaiming the gospel. He'd seen a lot. And he's writing it now as an older man who knows that his time is getting short. In fact, uh, the context around what he's ministering at when he writes this is Nero is in charge and um, they are persecuting Christians. And he's writing to a group of churches and what we, today would be northern Turkey. And he's writing to them to encourage them, to encourage them to not give up, encourage them to remain faithful. Because they very well could, or in fear, within the next day or two. And again, when we feel threatened or we are in fear, we tend to shrink back. We tend to, you know, get alone. And we need that bit of encouragement. Now, if you haven't been with us, and I know some of you haven't been, as we've been going through this, right? Peter, in chapter 1, told us, right, he set the bar, right? We talked about how high that bar was, right? Peter says to be holy, right? holy as Jesus is holy. And we spent some time on that about keeping the bar up here, not trying to bring the bar down to our level, but to be striving to be holy. We also talked about how much help we need in doing that, and that we can't do that on our own. And then I think after that, we talked in chapter two a little bit about you guys being a bunch of rocks, right? And I did not one of you threw one at me. That was good. But we talked about being living stones, right? And how Jesus is the cornerstone and how important those stones are, and how they fit together, and how we need each other, but also how uh, we're alive, right? It's the people that make the gospel come to life, right? We take it out. PJ mentioned that this morning about not letting fear stand in the way and being able to share our faith with those around us and others. And so that's a, a summation. If you haven't been here and you want to go back and read, read those first two chapters. But at least according to my notes, I'm in chapter 3, right? 
And before I start chapter 3, there was a little piece that we talked about last week, which is key to understanding chapter 3. Because remember, Peter went through our relationships to the outside world, right? He said we had to submit to the authorities above us. And that included our government, which in their government at that time was Nero. And then we also talked about submission while at the workplace, right? When we go to work, we submit to the boss who is over us. And so that theme of submission, and that word submission is a hard one to understand, but submission means to willingly put yourself under someone else. But we, it's kind of the best definition that I can find, and it, it kind of helps wrap our minds around it, but we are willingly putting ourselves under someone else's authority. And Christ did that, right? Jesus did that when he was on this earth to his Father, his Heavenly Father. So hopefully that changes your mind a little bit, but it's not a bad thing. In fact, it should be part of our lives, should be what we as Christians show, show out in our lives and show what we do as far as submitting. That being said, as we start chapter 3, I jokingly was going to title this the, the, the Valentine's Message, right? And then the more I thought about it, I didn't even check with PJ on this, but the more I thought about it, I said, no, that doesn't really work. Because this is something that our, our lives should, and throughout our whole marriage, 365 days. If we only did this on Valentine's Day, we wouldn't do very well. But it is a marriage passage, Make no mistake about it. And so, uh, you that are married, pay close attention. You who are single, I am sure you know someone who's married. And it's amazing, because a lot of times married people go to single people for advice. I'm never quite sure why that happens, but you can take something from this as well. So don't check out on me, because I need you here as well this morning. But chapter 3 starts off with ladies first, right? Ladies go first in this one. So it says, wives... In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Okay, a couple things here. I'm going into this, you know, trepidation, fear. No, I'm not. I've preached on this many times. It's a great passage, and it's helpful, but... It says wives in the same way, right? Remember what I said leading up to this. Submission should be part of the Christian life. And so wives, it's no different here. It says wives, submit to your husband. Okay, we have to identify marriage is a special relationship. It's very key. It represents God's plan. In fact, the church is called the bride of Christ. That's how intimate that relationship is. And so it's important. But guess what? In in that time and even today, sometimes that marriage relationship isn't between two believers. It's between a believer and a non-believer, which is the case here. It says, if your husband, right, if any of you do not believe, right? So this is a wife who's a believer, has a husband who's a non-believer. And so Peter is giving them instruction, because this happened quite often. A lot of times people would come to faith after they were married, and one would come, one wouldn't be there yet, or maybe never come to Christ. But he says, speak to them without the words, right? Through your actions, right? All right, I'm, again, I'm dangerous grounds here. But sometimes, ladies, 
Too many words don't help us men, right? right? Sometimes it's the actions that speak louder. And again, I, I love the, the part here where it talks about that inner beauty, right? That inner faith, right? We can see that. We can see that even as non-believers. We can people. We can see that light inside of them. And that's what speaks to us. So again, certainly action over words here. All right, as we go on here, verse 3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, that unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I love this passage. Again, it, it, certainly, ladies, we, we, we don't mind that you dress up in those things, but those aren't the things that speak to our heart. Right? That's really what he's saying here. It's that, that inner beauty, that, that Christ inside you is attractive all in of itself. As I've talked with many ladies, they get, they get hung up with it because their, their picture, their mind frame is that of Hollywood, right? right? Hollywood paints this, this picture of the, the perfect woman, Right? It's not true. In fact, they're, they're far from the truth. Those are not the things that are attractive, really. Not in the marriage relationship. It's that inner beauty, that thing that comes from Christ inside of you. And again, he even says, it's in God's sight. That's what makes you beautiful. So it save a lot of money in the marriage, right? If not having to buy all those gold and all those dresses and all those pairs of shoes. Please don't tell PJ I said that. She, she, she has to sing with black shoes. But no, kidding. It's good that PJ's back with the kids this, this morning. I'm, I'm somewhat safe. No, I won't be because you guys will tell. I know you guys will wrap me out. But it's true. It is true. It's uh, the inward adornment. Then he gives us an example here, right? Peter in verse 5 says, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And there's a couple of key things here. Remember, Peter, right? Peter is a Jew, and so he's speaking to a lot of times Jewish believers. And so this rings true, right? The, the, the poster child for the Jews is Abraham and Sarah. So this would, this would wake them up and like, oh, hey, that's right. That's right, Abraham and, and Sarah. Now, can I tell you, if you know the story of them, they didn't have the perfect marriage by any means. But that's not what Peter is pointing out here, is it? He's pointing out the fact that Sarah submitted to him as her, as her husband. That's that submission part. Not that Abraham was perfect by any means. If you read the story, fact, he's far from it as far as in the marriage relationship. But this would have spoke to the hearts. This would have, oh, that's right. I'm not the only one that has to do this, right? This has been something that's been in the past. It's something that's being carried forward. In fact, in this day, it was revolutionary in many ways about wives and their husbands and their relationship. Peter and Paul both bring women a long ways in equality in this. And so this is a, a great passage to help with that and help with that relationship. And again, he says, so that, um, so that 
not give way to fear. Right? I've done enough marriage counseling. That's usually the, the one thing that comes up. Well, yeah, I, I'll submit to him, but, but what if he takes advantage of that? Right? All the, the hypothetical scenarios. Right? And a lot of times that keeps women from being in right relationship with God. Now, there is a few exceptions. I, I'm not so naive and have not done enough. There is exception to this. If the husband is asking the wife to sin, I do not believe that that's an area that she should submit to. But that's a pretty rare instance, right? Again, in generally speaking, 99.9% of the time, the husband, even an unbelieving husband, is not going to ask his wife to sin. All right, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and step onto the other, other foot, which I feel a little more comfortable in. Husbands, verse 7. This one I, I don't mind stepping into, although I struggle with this one probably more so than the first part because this one applies to me as well. Verse 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Interestingly here, it's only one verse, right? I, ladies will quite often point this out. Hey, how come we have all this, this paragraph to do and you only got one verse? Believe me, there is more than enough in here for us guys to wrestle with, right? In the same way, right? A lot of the same things that he mentioned before, he says, in the same way, be considerate. Considerate. That's, that's a, a, a big word, and that's a lot to do, right? Being considerate means, first and foremost, is putting her needs ahead of my own, right? Just being kind, just being thoughtful. Oof. Like I said, it's hard to live by this, right? Being considerate. And if you're not sure if you're being considerate or not, ask your wife. She'll tell you. She'll tell you real quick whether you're being considerate or not. In fact, the fact that you have to ask probably means that you're not, and you may need some help with that. Treat them with respect, right? Here, guys, here's, a, here's an easy one for me. We can't treat them like we do the other guys, all right? It sounds simple, and some of you are smiling, but it's so true. We, I, I can talk to another guy in one way. I can joke, and I can, and can be coarse with them, or I can even, hey, you know what? You, you look terrible today. Those are not the same words I want to use to my wife. Even if it's true, it's a good way to get your lunch handed back to you. It doesn't work well, right? We don't speak, we don't act the same way with the guys that we do with our ladies. We need to take care of them, we need to respect them, right? Being respect is a thing that we like, something that we definitely need to do to our wives, uh, this part here, the, the weaker partner, that hangs up a lot of folks as well. And sometimes ladies struggle with that part. Again, it's, it's not weaker as in the, that they're weak and they're frail so much. It's, it's just that, generally speaking, we have more strength. We need to protect them. We need to watch over them, right? Even spirits of men, we could do harm physically, emotionally, and even spiritually to our wives if we wanted to but we're not to do that. It's a good guide for that. He calls them a, greatest, a gracious gift, right? Or a great gift. 
And I think marriage is that. It is a gift. And if you need motivation, he even gives us that as well, right? So that it doesn't hinder our prayers. And I know you've probably heard me say this a long time, and some of you already know where I'm headed with this, but if, our relation, if you can't tell me your relationship with God is okay if, I'm, if you're fighting with your spouse or your wife, right? It doesn't work. Or if I'm fighting with another believer, right? The two don't match. John talks about that, right? In order to be in right relationship with God, I need to be in right relationship with my relations here on earth. And certainly in the marriage, right? In our, with our, our husbands and our wives. Because it hinders our prayers, it hinders our relationship. It keeps us from being in right relationship with God. And so it's important. It's to take note. It's not something to be taken lightly. As many of you know, when, if you come to me for a wedding or to do, do your wedding, I put you through a lot of premarital counseling. I was hoping Landon and Shannon were here this morning because they were the most recent that have gone through it. And it's not easy because it's not easy being married. And so as much tools and as much things that you have and how to treat each other and the roles you have going into a marriage, the better. And we also need those reminders as well. Shameless plug, right? There's a weekend to remember coming up down in the cities. PJ mentioned it a few weeks ago. It's coming up in March. Highly, highly recommend that. To go that. If you haven't gone in a while or you've never gone, it's great for your marriage. It did wonders for ours. It helped us immensely. And we've gone a couple times. Because I don't catch everything on the first time. I need to go back for more than one. I also found this quote this week, and it helps with the fact that husband and wives have different roles. Oh, nice. Wow, these guys are so good. All right. Here's a quote that I found this week. And you have to read it a couple times for it to make sense, but it'll help in that, that, that husband and wives, because sometimes we lose sight of that. But equality of worth is not identity of role, right? Quality of worth, right? Just because wives are called to submit to husbands does not mean that you are worth anything less. You are very valuable, right? Our roles do not define our worth. So that may be helpful. All right, I'm also going to do something else that I normally don't do this morning. I'm going to, going to make a, a jump this morning. I'm going to jump over to one of Paul's letters. I'm going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 5 because there's another situation that happens. This morning we looked in First Peter, we looked at the relationship of a, a wife and an unbelieving husband. And, of course, a husband here um, could be a believing wife or not a believing wife. But Ephesians talks about the same or very similar thought as far as husbands and wives, but as two believers. Wives, and presumably here as, as we're in a church gathering, that most of us have a believing wives and believing husbands. And so we'll see if there's any differences as we look through this. So jumping over to Ephesians chapter 5. And I wanted to make sure that I started with chat, uh, verse 21 to keep it in context. Again, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, a, a church that is doing fairly well. And he's given them a lot of doctrine up to this point, and now he's teaching them how to live this out. And again, he's identified that the marriage relationship is key and that there needs to, they need help in that. 
as they represent Christ. And so verse 21, as he's been going down through this list, verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's that, that word again, right? That submission word. Please, it's not a bad word, right? It's what we're called to do. We are called to submit, submit to one another, willingly putting myself under someone else's authority, giving them their position. Verse 22 will sound a little familiar, right? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body out of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives also should submit to their own husbands in everything. All right, and we talked earlier about the, the, the exclusion clause, right? Unless the husband's asking you to, do, to sin, but otherwise it should be part of our normal, everyday relationship, right? And again, the reason behind it is that submission is glorifying to God. And even the church submits to Christ, right? The church is called Christ's bride. And so we submit ourselves to Jesus, that one seems easy, but it's sometimes harder in the relationship part, right? I think sometimes we say that, right? We, we get hung up on those things that are our rights or our, our own way. And to submit or to give way, to willingly say, all right, I'll submit that to you. It takes being humble. It takes being open, vulnerable. But it does exemplify Christ. That's what he calls us to do. All right, husbands, back to the husbands. Again, this is just really familiar, but it strengthens what Peter says. Paul says very much the same thing, but it strengthens that relationship, so it's a good reminder. But verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her body, her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present to her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Again, husbands have a great responsibility here. Sometimes, you know, like I said, the, 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 the women have a longer paragraph, but man, the man has a lot more, I think, in many ways to do here um, and needs to work at it harder in some ways. Right? But loving, loving our wives... Again, if you need to know where that to go, go to the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we talk about it often, 4 through 7. Love is an action. It's not a, I, can, I can't just get away with telling someone, oh, I love you, and not having anything that follows that up, right? Actions speak louder than words. Love is one of those same things, right? Love is patient. Love is kind, right? You know the list even all the way down to that last one, which I really struggle with, of keeping no records of wrong. Right? It's amazing how, how well my memory reminds me of those things when I'm in the heat of the moment, but I'm not being loving if I'm not doing those. But here we also see how precious our wives are as husbands, right? We're to present Christ to Christ, right? Blameless, without spot, without wrinkle, right? We're to protect her. Watch over her. Take care of her. That's all part of that 
loving her as we present her. Just like um, verse 28 says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. I've said this often as well, and it's so true, is we don't really have trouble loving ourselves. We do that pretty well, right? We we all take care of ourselves. We clothe ourselves. We feed ourselves. We we do pretty good in that regard, right? The problem is when we don't do that for that other person in our lives. And so we're to do that just as, as Christ did for the church, Right? And he says, for we are members of his body. And the famous passage here that is quite often read in weddings, verse 31, says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ in the church. Paul mentions quite often here these mysteries, and again, from his perspective, coming out of that Jewish background, the church is a mystery, right? It, it's, it's something that's not known, right? It's not the normal for him. It's no longer the temple. It's no longer the sacrificial system. It's now believers coming together, different relationships, all based on Jesus Christ, the Messiah has come. It's a mystery to him. It's not his norm. And I will also say this as well. Marriage is a mystery in many ways, right? PJ and I have been blessed. We've been married for 32 years, and guess what? Some days it is still a mystery to me. Mystery why she's still with me, but also even a mystery like how do we do this, right? Sometimes we still struggle, even after all these years. Don't ever think that we have it all together. We still have to work at these things. It's a continual. And there's not many weeks that I can go back and think of, man, I didn't really do that one well. Or I wasn't very loving to her today. And so it's a reminder of those things that, hey, you know what? I need to as her husband because it affects my relationship with God. It's not an option for the believer. And so I want to encourage you, though, that it's a struggle and it's a mystery, but it's one that can be solved. It's one that can be achieved. But we need to be diligent, we need to be prayerful, and we need help. And then lastly here as we wrap up this section, thankfully, verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I quite often will ask this question, and if you were to come into to, to counseling room or even just to ask me about marriage and and I'll, I'll quite often say what is your greatest need and I usually ask the wife first what is your greatest need anyone want to take a stab at it now we all want to be loved right again that's certainly part of it but what is what is your greatest need women what, what do you at the end of the day what if you had to sum it up in one word what would be your greatest need Security? Someone's got it already. Security. Right? Right? To be loved, to be protected, to be washed over. That's security, that, that home. You have that natural instinct, that, that motherly instinct, or that, but that security to watch over. 
Husbands, what do you think your greatest need is? You had to put it down to one word. Wow, someone's already nailed it. That's pretty good. Man, you guys should be doing more counseling. I don't know why I bother doing it. You guys, right? But respect, right? Right? Can I tell you something, ladies? If you don't respect your husband or show respect, you cut him right off at the back of the legs. He's high hamstrung all day long. He can function. We can function without respect, but man, it's a struggle. One of the things I, I did fail to mem- mention in this as well is, do you see anywhere in here where it says, well, if the husband does this, then the wife does that? Or if the reverse, right? If my wife respects me, then I'll, I'll love her. Or if the husband gives, provides security, then I'll submit to him. Do you see that in there? Because it's not there, Right? I always, this is one of the things, especially with counseling, but even myself, if we get to that point, right, if we wait for the other person, it's kind of like the OK Corral, right? We're standing there, we're ready to draw, but nobody's going to draw. And you just wait and wait and wait and wait. And guess what? The divide just gets greater and greater between your relationship, right? It's not an if clause. It's both need to be doing it. And when both are doing it at the same time, it's a beautiful thing. Marriage tugs really nice and well together. I liken it to gears. Some of you, again, I'm getting older now, and so these things, but, but gears, right? When things are lined up, things go forward. They work really well. Get them out of gear, they grind. And there's sparks that fly, and things fly off, and metal, and things break, right? But when you're together, and you're working together, doing your roles, God is glorified, and things run much more smoothly. So, I've given you a lot this morning. Um, hopefully this helps you in your relationship. Hopefully it helps you if you're single. Really, because a lot of times your married folks come to you or guess what? One of them come to you and you can point them back to Scripture and you can hopefully explain it to them because guess what? We all need those reminders. And we need those people in our lives that point us back to what God's Word said. Because you're not going to get this from the world. So as we're wrapping up here, i got six things that I just kind of jotted going through this. And they're all in response, right? Wives, how are you responding to your husband? Whether he's a believer or an unbeliever. How are you responding? Husbands, how are you responding to your wife? church. How do we respond to each other? Again, you could take response and put in submit there, right? Because that's what we've been talking about. How do you respond to fear, right? Does fear keep you from doing your role? And then what are our reasons for our response? We're going to celebrate the communion here in a few minutes, and again, that's the, the, the key to all of this, right? We submit out of Submission to Christ and for what he did for us on the cross. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we've gone through this passage this morning, a couple passages on marriage, Lord, I do pray especially for those of us who are married, Lord. Lord, that we need your continual blessing, Lord. We need you at the center of our relationships. Lord, we also need you to help us and remind us of our role in that relationship. 
Lord, help us as we submit to you our lives, and Lord, and that we do that willingly and openly and with love. Lord, I thank you for those here this morning that are also single, Lord, and they just ask that you would pour out your blessings upon them as well, that you would meet their needs, you know their situation, and that you would just continue to do your work in their lives as well. And Lord, we just so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we are also celebrating communion as it's the first Sunday of the month and it's an opportunity to remember what Christ did. And here at Pointway, if you're visiting with us, um, it's an open communion table. And what that means by open is it's open to all who are believers. It's not a members-only thing or uh, there's no nothing hoops you have to jump through, but just as believers, the table is open to you this morning. And uh, we do that as a family. We do that together here. Um, if I could have a couple of elders come up and help me as we uh, get ready to serve, the, the kids are coming in as well. But we also take it very seriously here at Point Way. And so Scripture gives us a warning, and so we take that as well. And what we like to do is Take a few moments to, to work through that. Scripture tells us, it says, whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so, again, like we like to do here at Pointway, just take a few moments and just close your eyes, bow your head right where you're at, and just take a few moments to make sure that you are in right relationship with God, just between you and Him. I'm going to ask Tony if he'll give thanks for the bread and for the cup that we're about. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to share in the bread and the cup in remembrance of you and what you did for us on our behalf. Father, we thank you for your love and your outpouring and your sacrifice, Lord. We pray as we do this that we glorify you and that you continue a reminder to us of your amazing sacrifice and your amazing love. Amen.
haven't figured out they're on top of each other. Scripture goes on to tell us the bread first. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on to say, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. As the worship team comes, we're reminded that there are still cups here that are left. And it's a reminder for us as believers that there are still many that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ yet, and so that we should be proactive in sharing the good news with them so that they may join us someday here and that, that we can have communion with them as well.